That's right, Will. You know what that music means? Is that 100 episodes? Well, I mean, well, that music actually means like a celebration. Oh, okay. Yeah, celebrate. Yeah. We're celebrating. We're celebrating. There's a reason to celebrate. The long-anticipated episode is here. We've been advertising this for seasons now. I mean, it almost seems like for years. This is our 100th episode of the Tony G Show. Pretty exciting. I mean, it I'm is pretty up. exciting. It's, uh, it's awesome to be here. We have a big show planned for Tony G Nation. So let's preview that. This episode that we have coming up, this plan. When we come out of our intro, Mm -hmm. we have a very special gift from a special listener. We'll get into that when we come out of the intro. Don't go anywhere for that. Then, we have a very special guest. St. Norbert College's very own president, Dr. Brian Brees on the show. Wow, what do you think about that, Will? Landed El Presidente of St. Norbert College to come around. Uh, We talk about... It's... Primarily an all-sports conversation. I mean, there's very little we don't talk about sports. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, we got him on here. We talked about his past in sports. We talked about St. Norbert College's past in sports. We've talked about the relationship between St. Norbert College and the Green Bay Packers. So it's a very good interview. We thank him for coming on. That interview will play one of our very first segments here. Then, after that, we're going to do memories of the show. We're going to bring it back. Will and I are going to discuss memories and past and the history of the Tony G Show, some of the origins, some of our favorite memories. And then we're going to get into our second interview. A very special friend of the show, Jason Fonder, comes around. We've got a good good uh, crew of guys here coming on to, to I mean, chat. We went all out for the 100th episode. I mean, yeah. we really did. And that conversation with Jason, I mean, I, we just start Jason Fonder interviews with like no direction, mm-hmm. none. And the conversation is just always very good and yep. in depth. I mean, we always find a way to talk about sports. Jason can just uh, go on about sports naturally. He's very good at that. So we have a good conversation there. After that, we'll kind of wrap up the 100th episode and talk about what's next in the Tony G Show, where we're going to go from here. Very special 100th episode, Will. Are you ready to get going? Oh, I'm ready. You got a haircut before this episode. I did. I had to look good for the show. Yep. You got it just today. Like five minutes ago. Yep. How many hairs did you get cut? One, two? Uh, not all of them, but quite, quite sure. close. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I got my hairs cut yesterday. Six, seven of them. Do you like what I said? My hair zero to one and yeah, I did not. Real yeah. quick. Yeah. yeah. That's what I did. Real quick. Whole right. squad on that real quick. Zero, zero to one and real quick. Let's get into real it. The 100th quick. episode real of the Tony quick. G Show. Zero to one and real quick. Real quick. Whole squad on that real. Zero to one and real quick. Real quick. Real quick. One hundred 
is the theme of today's show, 100 Tony G shows, this being episode number 100. Very special show planned today for Tony G Nation. Will and I put together a couple interviews and we'll get to that soon. But first, Will, we have a very special gift from a very special listener. Number one fan. Number one fan of the Tony G Show. Hands down. My Aunt Jean, I say aunt because it's a you. I know I'm going to get feedback on that. I get feedback every time You're I say You're an aunt really. over, over aunt guy? I'm an aunt. There's aunt. a you for a reason. That's why I say it like that. Regardless, Aunt Jeannie listens. She's been listening since like day one. Mm-hmm. She's listen- I think she's at like 90 out of the 100 episodes. I mean, at least. Probably 100 out of 100. Probably, most likely. I mean, I know she's had to miss a few before we were a podcast and before mm-hmm. we recorded the episode. So, um, yeah, she's been our 100th. One hundred. She's been our number one listener throughout the entire length of the Tony G Show, my Aunt Jeannie. And she gave us very special gifts. She gave us a hundred gifts for a hundred episodes. Will got uh, a couple gifts, I got a couple gifts, and they're just little small things. But they add up. But they add up. I mean, they're very valuable. I, I gave him the Will here, um, and he was looking in his, his little uh, gift bag that he had. And he was smiling ear to ear because of some <laughs> of the stuff that was in there. I mean, there's lotion. Mm-hmm. There's Dry hands. Pencils. Will was talking about how he needs pencils. Yeah. What was the other thing that you were? Well, I was I was really hyped about the pencils because I use Ticonderoga strictly. Yeah. So, so I was do like, I. I was like down to my last four, and yeah. I was just being lazy. The sticky notes, don't That's have huge. those. Need them. So yeah. yeah. And the uh, this like the microfiber towel. Oh the towels. Yeah. Yep. Clean screen. I mean, the lotion yeah. is the big one for me. Is oh, we, yeah. Like, the spring season, when the weather starts changing, the hands get dry. Well, this year, too, especially, like, I've been, I pretty much use hand sanitizer every time I walk in a building. Which, by the way, hand sanitizer, too. Yeah, knows. there was, yeah. Little, like, the spray one. Yep. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. Mean, it, and a card, too. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Aunt Jeannie, for the card and, yeah, and the so entire much. gifts. Thank you for listening as well. Huge, huge part of the Tony G show. So, mm-hmm. huge shout out to her. I mean, it's very cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Cool. Thank you. Yep, yep. Very special gift. We appreciate it very much, and especially all the listens through the 100 episodes. Now, Will, mm-hmm. let's turn to one of our very special guests. Now, we do have to admit this is a Zoom call. This isn't live recorded. Neither of the two interviews are. Uh, these are two very busy men to get, and plus we took all last week off to line up these interviews. So President Brian Brees and Jason Fonder are both in the uh, from last week from when this episode is being recorded. So some of the conversations we have, we asked uh, Brian Brees about his March Madness picks towards the back end of the interview, and he gives his prediction. The prediction has not come to fruition. It so has far. not panned out. No. You know, you can't blame Brian Brees for his prediction because no. I was behind him. Yeah, I was too. Uh, I mean, it's still partially alive, but yeah. not to the extent. No. I mean, it's. I wouldn't even say partially. Like, there's like one... Well, the, you'll hear the that's, prediction. That's partial. And you'll think, you know that's what? That's a this fraction. Is, well, okay. It's a percentage. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, you think, you're going to think, you know, it's a viable prediction. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very good advice because he talks about giving advice to his daughter about her bracket and talks about that. It's a good conversation. Regardless, though, it's a good prediction. I was behind it. Will was behind it. And it has not panned out. That's all right, though. President Brian Brees, with that conversation and a lot more... In the interview for our very special 100th episode, here's the interview that the Tony G Show held with Dr. Brian Brees. The 100th episode of the Tony G Show. Will and I would like to welcome a very special guest. We're very grateful for him taking the time to come join us. Will, let's give a warm welcome to the college that we go to, St. Norbert College, its very own president, Dr. Brian Brees. President Brees, thanks for coming on to our special 100th episode of the Tony G Show. 
Well, I'm privileged to be here and flattered that you'd take the risk on bringing me on your very special 100th episode, but it's great to be here. Tony G and Will, thanks for having me and thanks for all the work you're doing for your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking thanks the for time. On. You bet. We are going to be geared mostly towards sports questions, athletics questions, and I'd like to start here. For those listeners of ours that don't know, shame on them. President Brian Brees, the president of St. Norbert College, actually went to St. Norbert College from 1986 to 1990, and he played basketball here under Don LaViolette and Paul DeNovo. And I also looked up some information, found out that you ran track. Is that correct? I couldn't find the most in-depth statistics on that. Well, you couldn't find the most in-depth statistics because there weren't many. But yeah. I did, uh, I did uh, participate in track uh, my first year and my second year. Uh, I also uh, had a short stint on the men's crew team club. Okay. Mm-hmm. But ba- basketball, basketball was, was my thing. And uh, we can talk more about why I was in track. But, yep, I had a little, a little stint on track. I think because basketball is the more popular of the sport, especially in today's world, we'll cover that coming up in a second here. But tell us about track. What did you run? What memories do you have of running track as a St. Norbert College athlete? Well, I, my, uh, my only real redeemable athletic trait was my leaping ability. I had a, a pretty, pretty strong, I'm, I don't want to get braggy here, but I had a pretty strong, <laughs> the only thing I can say something with true confidence in was my leaping ability. But in track, I was a high jumper, triple jumper, uh, a high hurdler, and I could run a, a quarter mile, half mile that was, you know, respectable but my real asset in track was uh high jump and uh, triple jump and hurdling okay sure that's sure. awesome so about, so about basketball now these two names i mentioned don LaViolette, paul the noble any basketball stories that stick out to you as your time in your time here at st nober college well i i'll yeah lots of them but i want to add a third coach mike heineman mike heineman okay yeah he he recruited me uh, when I was in high school and the summer before I came to St. Norbert, he left uh, to become the, the basketball coach, I believe at Green Bay. Um, okay. So I had one coach recruit me and then Don LaViolette was my coach for uh, first year, second year, and my junior year. And then in the end of my junior year, uh, Paul DeNoble came. So I had three different, you know, coaches and three very different coaches but each one of them uh, had a, had an impact on me uh, sure. stories. Boy. Yeah. That's a wide open question. <laughs> you know, I, I came uh, when I came in uh, 1986, uh, the couple of years prior, the college had a really strong uh, couple of years of, of basketball under coach Heidemann. And so my first year, there were some really talented uh, juniors and seniors on the team. And, and it was a real privilege uh, to be on that team, but I, uh, I've described myself as one of the best practice players the college has ever had <laughs> on the men's basketball team. I was really a six man. I had a, a little injury my first year, which is what disrupted my track uh, uh, career with some uh, ba- really bad ankle sprains. But it, you know, basketball for me and athletics has been a part of my entire life. And at St. Norbert, um, we had such a strong. Um, relationship the basketball team but also uh, my roommates were all, uh, most uh, for for three years were football players uh, so I had a, a nice a relationship most of my closest friends were also athletes uh, sure. but but a lot of a lot of great stories I, I mean I, I could 
I suppose I could share a couple. Uh, you know, I only <laughs> had three or so really strong uh, basketball performances. So you, if you looked up some stats, you probably saw a, a couple games where I, I threw some numbers on the on the uh, uh, up on the up on the uh, score sheet, but a couple that were really memorable. Uh, one one was uh, Illinois College. I had a pretty good game uh, one year with Illinois College. Uh, scored a few points, but probably my favorite game was one at Ripon. Um, I love the Ripon stories because there's such a rivalry there, but I think I was a sophomore uh, against Ripon. Uh, I, I, you know, these numbers, this is 30 some years ago, uh, guys. So I, I might have the numbers wrong, but I had uh, at Ripon one time, uh, one year I had, I think it was like 15 points and, and maybe 10 or 12 boards. And I had three dunks. So I was like, I was just all over the place that, that particular game, you know, I, 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 I had my focus on and I had an opportunity, but I was a, you know, about six foot four. And at the time I couldn't get my weight up over 200. So I was like 190. Um, and, but I played three years of varsity at center in high school. So mm -hmm. I was a really complicated asset for the coaches because I didn't have great uh, facing the basket skills um, long range shooting or even particularly uh, dribbling skills. So my real strength was if there was a, a, a little guy guarding me or smaller guy, they'd put me low on the post. If there was a bigger guy, I'd go high post. But most of my skills were uh, back to the basket. Um, so I had limited utility uh, for any coach, uh, but the three I had, I, they put me, to, put me to good use. Those memories, like you said, were about 30 years ago. What do you think has changed in the world of college athletics, specifically at the D3 level or, or above? I mean, it, it's really your perspective. What has changed about college athletics from that point to now? Well, you know, a, a lot. Um, yes. And St. Norbert College had a very successful athletic program for many, many, many years. Um, when I was a student here, we were winning conference championships just as frequently as we do now in terms of the student experience, a really important part. And I don't know back then how, what percentage of our students were athletes, but today about 30% of our student scholars are scholar athletes. Um, but when, as an athlete back in the day, it's no question that we worked and trained really hard. Um, but nowadays, one of the big changes is that uh, high school athletes and therefore college athletes have a lot more game experience. You know, when I was in high school during the summer, we'd play 15 or 20 legitimate games in the summer. Now it's with AU basketball, it's not, it's not uncommon at all to have 60, 70 games in. So athletes are coming to college with a lot more performance, com competitive experience. They're coming to college with a lot more engagement around athletic training so the science and the practice of really smart athletic training is completely different than it is today. Um, and so I'm just really inspired by what scholar athletes do today in terms of the sophistication of their training, uh, the way they orient a, kind of a, a, a holistic perspective um, in their diet and their training. Uh, so that's one, one big difference. The other big difference is uh, all the promotion and social media around college athletics these days. You know, back before, when phones were attached to cords that went to walls, uh, and they had, they had the word rotary tied to them, um, the, the kind of promotion and marketing and uh, 
show and tell that went on with athletics was a complete, you know, we, we used to send VHS tapes um, to coaches for recruiting tapes. Uh, now it's, you know, it's all web-based. So those, those are a couple things. And I, I just say the athletic performance, looking at uh, women and men athletic performance is uh, what these athletes are doing today is such a significant notch. Now, in spite of what older people like me might say about the glory days and vertical leaps and all that sort of stuff, what athletes are doing today is just really quite inspiring. And then the final thing that's different is women, women in athletics. Um, you know, in my high school, women's basketball was first started in 1978. Um, and since that time, you know, I, I would, most high schools have more women, girls and colleges, women in athletics than men. Um, so the, the gender equity issues that have uh, evolved in the 36 years or so uh, since I got started, um, are really pretty, pretty important and pretty, pretty significant. I was just going to ask really quick before we switch, do you still yeah, shoot ahead. some hoops for, for fun every now and then, or do you, <laughs> you know, not in a while? Great question. I, uh, August 14th, 1998, my back went out on me for the first time. And since Ooh. then I've had very limited basketball. Um, but I can tell you that on both my, my 40th birthday my 45th birthday, my 50th birthday, and wow. my 52nd birthday, I did dunk a basketball. Wow. I, I can't count. I cannot count those milestones as actual basketball. So I, I quit playing basketball uh, in any meaningful way when I was in graduate school, uh, probably when I was about 28 years old. Uh, the wear and tear on my knees and, and my, my ankles and my back just became uh too much to so i i've shifted i but i still i tell you what it's when i walk over and gary gresh is in the gym with the basketball players i go over and, and we'll visit with them at least a couple times a year but when i get back into uh the old the same hardwood that i played on and those basketballs are bouncing the sneakers are squeaking you can feel the energy come back but i have to have to keep reminding myself that my basketball days are behind me, but it's such a, a joyful sport and it's so much fun to watch. And I miss playing basketball. Uh, so to, sure. to the student listeners, play all you can now um, and really enjoy it. It's a beautiful sport, but I haven't played seriously uh, for some, for some years. There was a faculty staff uh, event a couple of years ago where I found a pair of sneakers and but boy, that was painful. It was painful. <laughs> I am way out of basketball shape. Uh, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's an impressive feat to be able to dunk. But can you palm a basketball? Like I can't. It has to be. Mm. It has to be slightly. It has to be a brand new one. Or back in the day, I was a two-footed uh, dunker, so okay. I jump off two feet in, instead of one, and and so I, and I was able to get up high enough where I didn't need to palm it. Yeah, that's back a good point. in the day, I did. I did tap out my vertical at thirty-eight inches. Wow. I have a, I have a freakishly long wingspan. Uh, my <laughs> wingspan, which is supposed to be in somewhat proportion to your height is, <laughs> is more suited to someone 6'10 than 6'4. So sure. with, my, with my long arms and my uh, vertical leap, I was able to get up high enough. I didn't need to palm it. Tell you what, you are an athletic specimen even then and now. I mean, no, 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 no. My friend was, <laughs> was, was okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I'm a former athlete and now I'm, were, 
and you'll find you boys, you, you guys will, you'll experience this someday. Uh, I did my, my experience was I went from, uh, you know, pretty active and, and pretty good athlete to, I'm not going to play basketball too. I'm going to start running. So I ran a fair amount. Then I went from running to jogging and, and now I'm walking and on a good day I'll jog. So it, 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 it happens. It happens. Yeah. I've played soccer for 12 plus years in a row and I've, I haven't played competitively in a while. And just like the summer I laced up my, uh, my shoes and I went to go kick around and I was like, wow, my knees and ankles are not what they used to be. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I just put up with it or what, but it, they're definitely <laughs> uh, a lot less uh, athletically inclined than they used to be. <laughs> to add to Will's point and, you know, this discussion we're having, I was a baseball guy. I actually came in to play baseball here at St. Norbert until I got an opportunity to do, you know, some radio internship that, uh, you know, turned out to be a job. So everything worked out for me. But the point is when I came here to play for St. Norbert, big baseball guy. And then later after I had stopped playing, I had a very close friend of mine go play at Ripon. We were supposed to play against each other. He ended up stopped playing baseball as well. But we got together one summer after we had stopped playing just to play some catch, just to get loose. Every throw hurt. I mean, there was not a throw that did not hurt. And we even stretched beforehand. So I, I get what you're saying. We just can't do it like you used to. The muscles aren't as aren't as loose as they once were. Yeah, and I, in, in there is probably a lot of life lessons. But one of them is that you really have to remember to not take advantage or take for granted what, what you're able to do when you're able to do it. And the second lesson yeah. would be uh, as you mature and become more seasoned um, uh, chronologically, it's also important to adapt and to find other ways to stay active. You know, sport uh, is certainly about health and fitness, but it's also about friendship and uh, life. And sport teaches us so much. Um, and competitive athletics is such an uh, important part of a college education, college experience, whether it's intramurals or you're just working to stay fit or you're in competitive athletics. It's so important, it teaches us so many lessons, but I think individually, we have to kind of stay attuned to what it teaches us over the life cycle. And uh, one of the things I've learned is how important it is to stay active and to stay engaged. And so, you know, find ways that if it's your ankles and knees from old soccer, uh, performance and, and uh, injury or what have you, or if it's baseball and, you know, like right now I'm working on uh, my shoulders. I got two bad shoulders, get a little physical therapy on my shoulders, just wherever you are, find that spot and work it forward and uh, you know, find a rhythm and find a commitment because that being active is of course good, healthy, but it's good. It's good for the soul. and It's good for the mind too. Mm -hmm. Totally. Will and I totally echo that point and do shift this interview to a different topic. And then we're going to come back to St. Norbert college athletics uh, after this question, after this little discussion, can you elaborate on the relationship that St. Norbert college has with the green Bay Packers? Because that's something that gets a lot of attention around the school. You know, before COVID they would spend some of their training camp in August in uh, VMC, one of the residence halls here. And there's a story about Brett Favre and an ice cream machine and the calf. And could you elaborate on the, the general relationship that St. Norbert College has with the Green Bay Packers? Well, it's a long-standing relationship and uh, just a really mutually beneficial one, too. It goes back, I, I believe, uh, we did not have their training camp here this year because the NFL did not allow it because of safety concerns with COVID. Um, they asked all the franchises to have their training camp activities in their facility just for the health and safety um, but it's a 62, it'll be 63 years running 
the longest standing relationship of its kind with any professional franchise. Um, and we're quite proud of it. And it goes way, way back. You've probably seen some of the iconic pictures with Abbott Pennings and Vince Lombardi. And uh, over the years, just lots of different ways of expressing this relationship, all the way from interacting with them on uh, sports management and NFL panels and speaking pieces to the training camp. The two organizations just love the partnership one with the other. Just talking with Mark Murphy uh, last week, they're doing so much important work around diversity, equity, and inclusion in St. Norbert. And our partnership with them would like to expand it in some important ways. But it's way more than you know training camp, but that's kind of the core. That's kind of how it got started. Um, I've heard lots of different stories passed on about how uh, Vince Lombardi would be, you know, at, at the time in main hall, I think it was the floor above me is where he stayed uh, mm. as coach when the players were in then Sensenbrenner hall. And the reason he stayed in main hall on the Southwest corner is that he, he could keep an eye on the players out the window uh, and he could see them coming and going. He, he could keep track of, uh, keep track of them. But there's lots of great stories, you know, the Brett Favre stuff, and you know, you've heard different pieces. I will say that over the years, the experience of the Packers on campus has uh, changed as the NFL has changed. And back in the day, it was a much more casual, a lot more interaction with the community and the team while they're on campus. And for lots of different reasons, that's changed. You know, they used to be on campus. Uh, on football field and such. Now it's, uh, they, they live here, they eat here. Uh, I think they have two meals here and they live on campus. Uh, it used to be in VMC. We're, we've got different plans and we're hopeful for next year, although the NFL has not determined what they're going to allow for this upcoming training camp, but we're in discussions with them. And of course the Packers would love to come back and we're ready for them to come back. And I think there's something really special for them when they're doing that really formative team formation and team building um, and how they, how they engage with each other, how they build that friendship. There's also been other things that have occurred uh, with the partnership. They've been donors to the college and they've made financial contributions to the athletic complex, the, the health center, and just so many ways. And, you know, to me, it's about a great franchise, the Green Bay Packers that are so clear about, uh, the role they have in the community, um, not just with St. Albert College, but just look at Titletown, that whole development. It's all about, that's all about economic development and about mm -hmm. being engaged with the community. And it's important for the franchise in other ways, but they're unique. And uh, we're really proud to be in partnership with them. And of course, we think we bring something to the partnership too. We've obviously gone through a lot in the last year. It's been almost a year. I think it was a year to the day we got we had to go home, correct? For some reason, March 13th was in my mind, but it could have been. I think it was the 13th. It yeah. was the 13th. Yeah. Yep. yeah, you're right. So a couple days a year ago, we were home. And obviously, you had a lot to deal with during that time, athletics being one of them. Can you speak on what you had to deal with in terms of athletics? Because you had to make, maybe it wasn't you, but a lot of decisions that had to be unfortunately made for the for the safety of everyone's health. So can you kind of speak on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Before I get to athletics, I just want to say, first of all, how proud I am of the college, especially our students. Um, there are very few colleges in the country. And there's over 5,000, 5,400 college universities in the United States. There's very few of them. 
that started out in person and finished fall semester in person. And the reasons that we were able to be here today still in person, there's a lot of reasons for that. But the, the most important reason that, that I want to highlight is that students had such a strong desire to be here in the first place. And after we had some bumps around Labor Day and Halloween, that desire to be here converted to a desire to stay here. And students have made enormous sacrifices in order for that to be the case. And, you know, more students than I'd care to admit, a couple hundred in fall got, got COVID, many of them through no fault of their own. Um, but the fact is, we did it. And the students left the day before Thanksgiving exhausted, I think, but also quite proud that they were able to individually and collectively carry the college through this semester. And I cannot overstate how significant it is that we were able to stay in person and continue in person because that's allowed us to put behind us most of the most challenging financial situations. And just to kind of feed off that really quick, that's one of like one area when I speak to people about where I go to school and about St. Norbert, that's like one of the things that I'm most proud to say is that all my classes are in person and people are like blown away when they hear that. Um, And I just take a lot of pride in in the, in the student body here and and how serious we take this, this issue. And I, yeah, I I really agree with what you're saying. It's a, it's a point of pride, I think being here. And it's not insignificant what it took to do that. Um, No. And so to you and your listeners, thank you. Um, but all the little things, all the big things, the curb, the, you know, the curfew, the midnight stuff and the no visit, all that stuff, wearing a mask and physically distanced, it's been hard. And, and, but by gosh, uh, maybe the, maybe the analogy with athletics, you know, competing and being in physically uh, fit, uh, and winning is hard work. Um, this fall, and I know the spring is already, we're in better shape than we were last fall. So we're even doing better at it now. Um, so I, I'll say that, but, but as a college president um, and as a, a, someone who is an alum, um, confronting this pandemic, and there, there is no, you know, in the, in the you know, baby president school, a training school, there's no, there's no uh, section for COVID <laughs> pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, every college president and every leadership team and every faculty and every staff and every student body in American higher education was confronting something that they had never seen before. And I would say it took St. Norbert probably till about July 1st of last summer, which is about the time that our plan for COVID was approved by the Pure Public Health. It was about that time where I believe the college began to emerge. We built that foundation of a plan. We made decisions, big decisions. We're going to be in person. And not all schools made that decision. And now this is how we think we can do it. And here's how we have to approach this with students for them to feel valued as people. So rather than be kind of in their face and real hard-nosed about it, we're going to listen to them. And so we were able to adapt all semester long based on what students and faculty and staff were telling us. And we had to tighten down the restrictions and we had to ease them back. And we were able doing all these things because we were listening and we were adapting. And there's a lesson for athletics there too. You have a plan coming into it, but then you have to adapt and you have to adjust and you have to anticipate what your competition is doing, what are the coaches doing. But for 
for all of this, the complexity of it, I will have to say that I think the most difficult part to manage was athletics. We got, what, 23 sports, and they're all different. Uh, and we're dealing with, I'll just put it bluntly, the NCAA is a bureaucracy. It's an enormous bureaucracy. And even though Division Three is the largest division by way of numbers of schools and a number of athletes by far, it feels most days the least important to the bureaucracy of the NCAA. And I know that's probably harsh, but the fact of the matter is, is that the vast majority of the NCAA's revenue comes from Division One men's basketball tournament. And so, uh, if you and I'm I'm going to make a few numbers up, but if you're if you're if your annual budget is a billion dollars, if 900 million of that or 950 million of that is is pivoting around March Madness and the tournament, you can understand why the NCAA would would need to kind of put things in priority. But small liberal arts colleges like ours, I think, have been able to be most faithful to their mission compared to any other school because we were able to adapt and do what we've just talked about, being in person. But with regard to athletics, the challenge was multifaceted. All these sports are different. Some are high contact, some are not. The NCAA has a set of rules and expectations around testing, around competition. And we had to, you know, our track and field team was on their way to Nat. They were literally on the road to nationals. And that Saturday before they compete, we got to bring them back. I mean, how heartbreaking is that? You're about ready yeah. to step into the pinnacle of your athletic career, competing at a national NCAA NAT for a national championship. You're actually warming up and you've got to come back. I mean, I don't know if I've ever made a more athletically related painful, it's right up there in the top. I mean, that was hard, but that was necessary. And we've been putting the health and safety of our students and our community first this entire time. Uh, we had to suspend competition for fall. Uh, we were hopeful that maybe winter would be different. We had to suspend competition for winter. Now, just now, we're, we're back and we're in spring competition. The full competitive schedule will be a little less than what would be normal, but we're, we're going to be close to full bore. We've got lots of limitations. We've got surveillance testing. We've got uh, limitations on travel and overnight stays. And so there's, um, Tim Ball and the coaches and the athletes are, are really there turn themselves into pretzels to make this work. But everybody, I'll tell you what, I, I drove by this, the first uh, softball uh, game the other night, uh, the other a week or so ago, and I got pretty emotional just driving by, you know, um, saw the baseball team out there when it's, you know, 24 degrees and darn near snowing and there, I mean, the commitment these athletes are making, I'm pretty proud of. But uh, one final note uh, is that on, on this, before I let you guys follow up is that, we were also dealing with multiple conferences. So we got the NCAA, but we also have the Midwest Conference and we have our new conference, the NAC, and we've got you know the hockey conference, NCHA, and each conference is different. Um, and you know, really difficult to, to navigate the challenges that came along with each of those conferences, including hockey. You know, just really complex stuff. But I'm very proud of the athletic administration, the coaches, and but in particular these athletes. Uh, and spring was especially important to me because the spring athletes from last year, they had their seasons cut short. So we really want them to have a full season and we're, we're expecting to be full bore in the fall. That's our hope. And we're, we're striving for that. If, if a lot of things go our favor, we're, we're going to have that opportunity.
as we've been talking about St. Norbert College athletics, and we're kind of shifting the conversation back towards that, I'd like to ask you about a couple of very particular moments that fairly recently people point to in St. Norbert College athletics and, and be very proud of and tell stories of is the national championships that this school has won in your tenure, the most recent being uh, the hockey team winning a national championship. Touch on what that means to you and the college in general, the St. Norbert College community when a team wins a national championship and has success, specifically like the hockey team that doesn't have. Well, I I will be the first to tell you that given my own athletic uh, experience, uh, proudly competing and training athletics is really great satisfaction. But the greatest accomplishment is the national championship. What my philosophy of athletics has always been, and it is made manifest at this institution in great fashion, is that our our athletes should think of three things. Uh, One, that they'll uh, be scholar athletes, that they'll be successful academically. Uh, Two, that they'll be a part of a team and they'll learn all that that brings forward. And that three, that we strive to create a championship experience for each athlete and for each team. And it's possible to do all those three things. And I would add a fourth, and that is we're going to do it with class. We're going to do it with style, with integrity. So those ideals come together for every coach and every athlete in a different way. But the pinnacle is to do, to, to train well, to compete well, to do with integrity, to learn about team and to win a national championship. And the men's hockey program has some real good experience with that full athletic vision and experience that we talk about. And, you know, Coach Cogs would be the first to cut me off here, but it begins with two essential elements. uh, And that is a group of women or men and a coaching staff that have a uh, unapologetic and consistently focused orientation to that kind of a mindset, that kind of a sacrifice, that kind of a commitment. And Coach Cogs uh, in his tenure at the college has been able to do that several times. And I was able to watch quality of, of that program, the sophistication of which he and Coach Andy bring to this. It's impressive. And the sacrifices that those young men made for that championship and to watch them battle the way they did all season long with ups and downs, to go to Lake Placid uh, and to be in that hallowed space and to watch that team mature as individuals, as a team, and to uh, compete in, you know, with a double overtime and to win uh, in 90 minutes of hockey. That's the pinnacle of uh, Division Three athletics. And to do it with such sacrifice and such commitment and with integrity and to have a champion national championship, that's really both uh, athletically, but artistically quite impressive to watch. I've said this before, but I can say it to your listeners that coach Cogs is probably the best men's hockey coach in all of college athletics, regardless of division. And that's a pretty bold statement, but uh, he's got over 25 years of experience here to back that statement up. And I'm, I'm really proud of how he works year after year, regardless of the amount of success they've had every year, he basically starts over and they build toward that same goal of uh, green Knight pride and to do it with integrity and to, to have continue that championship uh, program. Head coach, Tim Coughlin of the St. Norbert college hockey team, making the switch from one Tim to another and one successful Tim to another for that matter. 
Tim Ball, the athletic director of St. Norbert College, a guy who we have interviewed on this show rather recently. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, very insightful man, has announced his retirement effective in early June. What has he meant to St. Norbert College as an athletic director, but just an overall member of the community? Yeah, well, I'm so glad you, you brought Tim's name and uh, the conversation to this point. Prior to coming to St. Norbert College as our athletic director, Tim had a very successful career as an athletic director, even at the division and athletics at the division one level. Um, he's also an old, he's an old football coach, um, but really brought a lot of experience and a lot of depth um, and vision to St. Norbert College, but it'll be 17 years. And when you think about the kinds of things that have been accomplished directly in athletics, but also from a residual point of view, because of the success in athletic programs, it's quite remarkable. From a facilities development, from the addition of sports, to the competitive success, to the overall impact and the quality of athletic experience. I don't know if, a, if a, an administrator, athletic administrator can, can have a more comprehensive impact uh, on an institution than Tim has uh, in his work. And he'll be the first to admit that he's done it with an unbelievable cast of great coaches. And so I've, I've also said publicly, and I'll say it again, I don't know if there's any division three program in the country that has a better collection of coaches than us. And I've worked with athletics my entire career. I was in the MIAC conference for 22 years over Minnesota with a great group of institutions and very storied programs. And I've seen into the Midwest Conference in my four years here and the NAC, the conference we're going to, and also the athletic conference. And the feedback I get from other college presidents is they're envious of the quality of our program, the quality of our coaches, and the performance of our scholar athletes. Uh, and that takes a lot of different points of, of emphasis and success. But the athletic director is a critical part of that. And Tim, and I've told him this myself directly, he should be really proud of what he and his leadership team and his coaches and his scholar athletes have accomplished over the years. And when you, when you, you can test the medal of a AD or a coach in difficult times, and the college has had a lot of success in athletics, but in those bumpy moments, I've also seen Tim step into leadership from an integrity point of view, do a nice job. And those moments matter a lot to me. Tim and I have a really close relationship. I was, he was one of the first people I met here for a job interview in the fitness center. Um, and now I'm currently the student manager up there. And so Tim and I work hand in hand pretty much every day. He's like the embodiment of the goal behind athletics and just the, the attitude he brings is, is something that's almost unmatched from a lot of people I've met. Just such a friendly and outgoing guy. He's always willing to help. I'd be texting him at like nine o'clock on a Friday night and he texts me back in like two minutes. So I'm a little bit sad to see him go because I've worked with him uh, so closely over the years, but I'm also really excited for him because he definitely deserves it. Yeah, no, no kidding. Does he deserve it? And I have a particular pride in athletics and in Tim's work uh, because of the work itself, but also my dad. Uh, is now been retired for many years, but uh, he retired early. But he, he, after over 30 years of teaching and coaching and athletic directoring at my high school, he retired. But I, the reason I mention that is because I've been in athletics my entire life. And my dad is a former AD. And so I know really, really well the impact that an athletic director can have on coaches and athletes uh, over a long period of time. 
So, uh, well, like you, I know there's many that count Tim as a mentor, maybe even view him as a coach figure, but the AD is a really important educator role. Yes, an administrative role, but Tim understands that coaches and athletic administrators, and as does Abby Gildernick, the senior athletic administrator, they understand that they have administrative responsibilities, but they're also teacher, coach, mentor, uh, and those roles and those purposes I would differentiate Division Three athletics. And I think Tim and Abby and the group of coaches, and they all embody that mindset. And that tone comes from the top. And, of course, it's reaffirmed by great coaches, right? And so that ethos and that charism uh, that you've experienced and you've witnessed in the competition arenas and fields and courses, that's what this is about. And that's what makes uh, athletics so important in Central College. And that's what differentiates Division Three athletics. It's that kind of person, big shoes to fill, but it's that kind of person that we're looking to follow up. And I know I've, I'm not on the search committee, but I'm getting reports that there's a really strong response. It's a really a, a big number of applicants, but also deep experience. Uh, but big shoes to fill for sure with Tim Bald, you know, he's making a a graceful finish to a fantastic career. We're going to miss him. It's just almost irreplaceable shoes. I mean, you're going to have to make a move and replace him, but yeah, he's made a lot of important impacts and a lot of change on this college campus. As we say goodbye to Tim Bald, as he retires, moves towards retirement. I do have one final question and then we'll move to a close. We've gone way over and I apologize for doing that, but this has just been a really great, insightful and a really productive interview for the conversations we've been having. There's one last question, very important one. Picks, predictions, NCAA tournaments right around the corner. Do you have a bracket filled out? Do you have a champion picked out? You know what? Any Here's insights? the deal. I, I, like to, I like to stay away from any uh, anything that might have the appearance of gambling or choosing, uh, sure. uh, given my role as president of a, of a college. But I will tell you, the uh, as a as a former basketball player um there's very few sporting uh venues more exciting and more dynamic than than the uh, men's and women's division one tournament or even tournament season at any level i mean even high school even high school tournament season isn't it just kind of you it gets your energy going in a way like nothing else i want to give a little love to some other sports too because one of my favorite championship experiences is the conference championship in swimming is insane uh, men's and women's cross country the way the way uh, those fans and athletes get to rally all each sport has its own glory moment in the championship run but you got the big bracket uh, d1 the, the monster the, the 600 pound gorilla of them all um, <laughs> i i think this is a unique year because of disruptions from covid I think you should look for a particularly strong showing by the Big Ten in your bracket. Absolutely. If you've not privileged the Big Ten in your bracket, then then you obviously have not been paying attention. Um, <laughs> there's there's some you know some challenges, of course, with the Big Ten, but I think you're going to see uh, there's uh, a strong performance in the Big Ten. I think Gonzaga uh, has uh, probably a, a front door uh, access to a, a run at the Final Four. You know, looking up and down, I'm a big Badger fan. They've had some challenges toward the end of the season here. But there's just a, another uh, – for the men's bracket, there's a, a pretty 
pretty strong uh, group of leading teams. I don't, I haven't picked a uh, Cinderella or an upset or I haven't picked a team, but my daughter, who's a junior in college, goes to Loyola Marymount, a Jesuit school out in Los Angeles. She called me and did a FaceTime with me and she said, help, help with my bracket, dad, help with my bracket. <laughs> okay, so she was reading me the power rankings and the, the power of their s- schedule and, and all these different things. And, and she had a very strong uh, Jesuit bias. So I think she ended up with, uh, I think she had Gonzaga winning. And I said, oh, come on, where's the big 10 in your final four? So she made some adjustments and I think Iowa might've been there for her. Illinois might've been in there. So she, she maybe she might've had a few too many big 10. I think she had three or four. Um, yeah. and she did two brackets and three of the four, three of, the, of her final four were big 10, but I think she picked Gonzaga. Uh, let's see. How about, how about we go with Iowa? Okay. Yeah. Number like one, that. number one score Garza, right? So yep. I'd like to see the big 10 make a statement this year and uh, doing that by saying that I probably just jinxed them. Right. Yeah. Right. I, Back I, on I, wood, huh? I'd like to see the Badgers get a couple of wins. And I think guard when they play their really strong defense, if they can get, if they can get a, a couple games with, you know, less than 10 turnovers, if they can get in single digits with turnovers and they're a disciplined team, teams like that. I'm always looking for teams that show discipline and show continuity and can really compete. They can resist those ups and downs that come with a basketball game. But I don't know. I, who you guys got picked? I took I had the, Gonzaga. Did you? I got Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had to fill up my bracket yet. Like, today so i have to get that done with yeah isn't it do like now don't they aren't the playing game today oh i don't know my roommate just sent me one so i better start filling it out hey send me who your your pick is in the end all right i will i my one point of pride was i believe it was 2010 i picked the final four right was it was duke wisconsin michigan and uh kentucky and i picked wisconsin to duke to play in the final and but Wisconsin got beat by Kentucky, but I had the final four correct and Duke, I believe played in the final. So that was like, that's like my call to glory was when I was 10 years old, yeah. I picked the right final four. Awesome. <laughs> the other thing I'm going to, I'm going to float out there is that I think sure. the, I think the winner, the winning game is, I think the, the tournament in general is going to be a high scoring affair in part, because mm-hmm. I don't think teams have been able to develop uh, in the way that they might normally a stronger defensive presence. Um, so I, I'm going to say right here on your show that the, the winning total score is going to be over 166. Okay. 166 or north, it's going to be a running gun. There's going to be a lot of scoring. It's going to feel a little bit less disciplined than we might used to be used to see in, in March. But but uh, I think Gonzaga is going to be there, and I think the final score will be over will be over 166. Over 166. Ooh. You heard it right here on the Tony G Show first. That is President Brian Brees. That's all we have for you, President Brees. Thank you so much for coming around to the Tony G Show. We really appreciate the time and the insight. As I said on the outset, I'm really flattered to have been chosen to be interviewed for your 100th episode. I also just want to say to the both of you, how cool is it that you got 100 episodes on the Tony G Show and really inspired by the work you're doing, really good at what you do, and look forward to uh, listening to uh, more of your episodes as time goes. So thanks for having me. and. I hope you uh, have a very strong finish uh, to the semester and look forward to seeing you in person soon. Thanks Thank for the you time, so President Brees. You bet. Yep, we really appreciate it. That's President Brian Brees on the Tony G Show. Very great conversation we had with Dr. Brown. Very insightful. I mean, it was, it was a good interview, and he's very intelligent, well, well thought out. Mm-hmm. 
and we thank him for coming around to the show. I mean, it was a great conversation. We yeah. didn't, we intended, we advertised to him and, uh, you know, his, his team that he works with, you know, it'd be like a 15, 20 minute interview, even 25 minutes maximum. Right. And we went 45 minutes. We yeah. went a little longer, but I added some of it down and so it could fit into this special two hour episode of the Tony G show. However, that was like 20 minutes over our goal. Like the maximum time that we told, we went like 20 minutes over. And mm-hmm. he was well okay with that. I mean, he yeah. was very open to it, which we appreciate. But, I mean, you know, he's just so insightful. And, and we just couldn't help but to keep the conversation going and, and continue sometimes, to bounce ideas off of each other like that. Yeah, sometimes you have a good conversation you don't want it to, to end. Yep. Especially one like that. It was just so natural that yeah. it was just we wanted yep. to keep going. Yep. So it was a very, very good interview. We really do appreciate him. Coming around to the Tony G Show for our special 100th episode. Our next guest is Jason Fonder. That'll be in about five minutes, five, maybe ten minutes. Before we get there, Will and I want to discuss some of our favorite memories of the Tony G Show. Before we do, though, I'm going to give a little bit of a story of the Tony G Show. This is like museum time. This is story time now. Because the Tony G Show, as we are in our 100th episode, started as the sports rundown with Tony G. I was solo. I was live. It wasn't recorded. I was in SNC Radio Studio. And I remember the first show, I thought, wow, I suck at this. <laughs> I, mean, I got done, and I was like, wow, that, that was bad. But I mean, with anything, you get more reps, and you get more practice doing mm-hmm. it, and it just becomes second nature. And, we, you know, we get a lot of compliments on how far we have come since we brought you on in, in season three. But even then, I mean, just from, like, episode number one, the way we hold and conduct our interviews and our shows in general with a little spice, a sense of humor, I mean, we've, we've come a long way. Especially from when we were the Sports Rundown with Tony G. Now, before Will was on and we were still the Sports Rundown with Tony G, we interviewed legendary head coach of St. Norbert College, Connie Tilly, who coached women's basketball before she retired. It was her 42nd and final season. That's a lot of seasons. And the, and the Sports Rundown with Tony G show landed her. That's and pretty awesome. Interviewed her, talked about her insights. It was great. That interview is not on Tony G show podcast. It is part of SNC Radio's podcast. If you look up SNC Radio on Apple Podcasts, it'll come up. And there's a couple different interviews, and there'll be one that says Tony G Show Interviews or Tony G Interviews with Connie Tilly. And that's the interview. So it was a very good interview. Then after that, that was about season two. Season three rolls around, and I go, you know, Will and I were part of Core 4, a second sports talk show that we did on SNC Radio. With uh, Matt Weaver, Matt Swanson, shout out. Yeah, shout out to them. Still work with uh, Matt Weaver broadcasting games and stuff like that. Matthew Swanson, our draft expert as well. However, you know, we we haven't done that show in a while. I haven't at least. Mm-hmm. Will, you know, they've had a tough time doing that with a coronavirus. SNC Radio's had some restrictions on who can get in to the studio and stuff like that. So that show isn't as prominent anymore, but better days are ahead, just like for anything. Yeah, we're working on it. Yep. They'll get back into the studio. Side note, though, Will and I, that's how Will and I met. And I said to Will... You know, I'm trying to reform the show a little bit. I changed the name. I had, you know, ideas about becoming a podcast. And I said, I need a little help getting this off the ground. I said, would you be open to coming around and just being like the Joy Taylor to my Colin Cowherd, the peanut butter to my jelly? Mm-hmm. And Will said, yeah, I'd love to. So season three rolls around. The Tony G Show adds Will McCormick. Yeah. Applause from the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> so Will McCormick comes on in season three. And we have taken the Tony G Show to the moon since. Mm -hmm. I mean, we haven't looked back. It's been exponential growth. Absolutely. 
Season four rolls around, did great. First year of the podcast. Season five, or maybe season three was the first year of the podcast. I think four was. Four was, yeah. Four. We had talked about it in season mm-hmm. three. Season four was the first year of the podcast. Season five. Then now we're in season six and already looking ahead to season seven. That'll be in the back episode, back end of the episode, though. And in season four, remember, we interviewed Michael Pant. He was our 10th and final episode of season four. We'd be at 100 episodes already if it mm-hmm. wasn't for the coronavirus that ended that shortened season, season four. We only had 10 episodes. And then we returned after five or six months off for season five. Interviewed Tim Bald in season six. We just got President Brees on for this 100th episode in season six. We've had Jason Fonder on numerous times and will again. We've interviewed athletes. And like I said, we plan to keep doing that, but that's in the back end of the episode where we look forward. But just recapping where we've been and how far we've come. It's been unbelievable Mm -hmm. to me as a host, as the creator of the Tony G Show, how much support I get from all the friends, Aunt Jeannie, the parents, roommates, the friends on campus, Will McCormick. It's been amazing to see the growth that we have had. Mm -hmm. And the support. Yeah, and the support. We've come a long way, and we couldn't have done any of this without our support. But with that mushy part being over, favorite memories, and I have a couple, Will, but I want yours because you've been mm-hmm. advertising this to me for a long time since I mentioned that, you know, get start thinking of some memories because we're going to do it on uh, the 100th episode. And you said, I got one. But you haven't told me what it is. You even came in today to Tony G Studios and said, I got a favorite memory. It's the two-hour special we did for season three. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was probably my favorite moment or, or one of my, like, standout moments that I always think back on. Yeah. Because it was like, we were just like, should we start an hour early and just go for two hours? And we're like... Yep. Sure. And it was like something we didn't, we decided it was like, you know, it was literally like the day of. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, why not? Well, that was, uh, was that like our, our, that was our last episode. That was our season finale, mm-hmm. I think. of, And see, that wasn't part of the podcast. That was in season three. Right. And Will and I did that live. Yeah. Like two consecutive hours live. Like a podcast is a little different. We can take a break if we need to, but two right. hours live. And I think we did like an hour analysis on like the NBA draft. And that's when Zion was playing for Duke still. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Think about the think about the topics we've discussed. Like I think we had an argument over I said that Ja Morant should go number one. Oh, and yeah. you were Camp Zion and we yep. kinda had that discussion. I, yep. I, I have a recording of that on my phone actually, because I was like, I should record this. So I started like Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Just yeah. like a audio recording. And I, I listened back to it like during the summer and I was just like I remember being like super excited to come back and like start yeah. the show again. So mm-hmm. that's probably one of my favorites. One of my favorite memories that I that we do every s- other season is Tony G picks it a week, where mm-hmm. I pick the five games. You know, I do the Thursday night, a Sunday noon, Sunday afternoon, and then Sunday night, Monday night. I do every time slot for the upcoming NFL week and the Thursday episode of the Tony G Show. That started as Green Night picks of the week. That's what the segment used to be called. It was the same thing, but that's what it used to be called. I still take the picks, even last season and next season. I do it in my notebook, all the way from season one, when I started Green Knight Picks of the Week. I wrote, I, I write it down hand, I hand write them in my notebook, because I, you know, I just, that's how I've done them. Mm-hmm. So that's always been one of my favorite memories is, you know, and we have the running joke of, well, I'm getting started here, I'm getting started this week, or I'm going right. to get it going this week. And I never really do. I mean, I always fall around like 500 or just above. Which is not bad. Yeah, you know, season seven <laughs> will be better. But that's always been one of my favorite memories is coming around, doing the Tony G show. We've added the music to it. I mean, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
more favorite memories that I've had. I mean, just the guests we've had. I mean, the name power that we've had. Listen to this. We've had baseball player Christian Jack. We've had women's basketball coach, now retired after her 42nd season, Connie Tilly. We had SNC athletic director Tim Bald. We've now had Brian Brees. We've had Michael Pant, a basketball player. And I plan to keep going, and we're going to talk about that. I don't want to give away too much. I just want to keep talking about what's next. Mm -hmm. But that'll be in the back end of the episode. But just the sheer name power that we've had for guests. We've had Matthew Weaver on the show. Well, I have. That was before your time. We've had Matthew Swanson, Bennett Farrell, Jermile Brantley, Jared Reinhardt, who was scheduled for uh, a visit the Thursday show before the Masters. So he'll be on again. I mean, just the sheer name power that we've had, the talent, and just the personalities that we've had culminated together. And, uh, I mean, some of the content that we've put out has been very, very good. Mm Mm-hmm. And the topics we've discussed, too. I mean, we've covered it all, man. Mm-hmm. Look at us go. Yeah, I feel like every time we come in, it's it's just a fun... It's more like a conversation than, like, a planned... Yeah. Even though we do have, like, a, somewhat of a direction we follow, it always turns into a conversation between yep. two guys about sports, which is, like, what I enjoy about it. I like that it's not, like, we need to cover this point and this point, because sometimes we deviate from what we mm-hmm. have down. Well, that's the thing, is that it's... You know, it's freelanced but structured, the Tony mm-hmm. G Show. It's not like some of these big networks that you watch where a news story hits and they have to pound it all day long. Mm-hmm. We get to talk about it however long we want to, if we even want to at all. Right. Sometimes we don't even cover some of the main yeah. things because it's like, what else is there to be said? Yeah. Everyone will, you can go to any website, any public network, and they're going to say the same thing. But that's why I say freelance but structured because we talk about what we want, when we want, how we want. However... Everything we talk about is structured and professional and well thought out and put together. I mean, are we the best in the business? <laughs> we gotta be. I mean, nobody's probably gonna dispute it. No, I mean, who would? Yeah. Yeah, our millions of listeners and followers from around the world would agree. Worldwide. Tony G Nation. All right, we're running out of time here. We gotta get to Jason Fonder. This interview also recorded on Zoom last week. We talk about SNC baseball, we talk about. Uh, football and baseball professionally and then we wrap up with a team that he is starting in the green bay area of ash Wabanon. very good interview the jason finder interview here on the tony g show's 100th episode the next segment in the tony g show the 100th episode this very special episode we have another special guest it's our friend of the Honest show jason finder. <laughs> did i get it Perfect. I, yeah, you were you were one hundred percent accurate. I mean, you even had the the uh, the excitement to it. I mean, welcome mm-hmm. wel- welcome to the show once again, Jason. Yeah, you be Happy one hundred, guys! Congratulations on thank you. Guys. I never thought we you'd make it, it past eight, so this is terrific. Good for you. Guys. Yep. <laughs> Good for well, you. With the, with the way with the way the Tony G show started on my own in SNC Radio, I thought the one episode was going to be enough, and I was going to walk right out the door and. Look for a different career, but yeah, I wonder why you didn't just stick to baseball after that first episode. I thought through. you should have just been toiling in obscurity on the baseball team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, yeah. I mistakes makes they happen. <laughs> Can't reverse them. But well, actually, we'll talk about that. The baseball here at St. Norbert College. That's the first thing I have on the list that I wanted to talk to you about. They are getting underway. They're six and one right now. They were off to a six and zero oh start which is the best school start they've ever had. They went 4-0 and twice and never made it to 5-0 and until this year and then did one better as well, 6-0. and uh, Your son, another friend of the show, Sam Fonder, is that yeah. a good start to his season out of the bullpen? 2-1. and one. What, are you, what are your thoughts on the, 
Yeah, he's Not pitching for the for the seven games, so it's kind of cool. Um, you know, it's been a bit of a road for him too to kind of get here too. Just to, not to go Sam Fonder show on you, but you know, he he was hurt his freshman year at Gustavus Adolphus. He transfers back. He, you know, has the first year here where you know he has to find his footing a little bit because you know he wasn't he you know he wasn't part of the plan, right? Like you go somewhere else for school, you come back here, and then last year you lose a season. Like it's just been snake bit, you know. So it's really cool to see him get a yeah. shot. Um, not just as a dad either, by the way, like I'll say as a coach too, as somebody who's coached him his whole life. And I've, you know, this, I've coached the Watts goods and I've coached oh, yeah. Trent, Trent Bauer. And so I've gotten to coach some, some college talent. Um, you, Alex, you know, like the, the guys that like made, you guys made it, you know, and that's yep. pretty cool. And, and for, for Sam to like, uh, have to kind of get through some adversity to get to a spot where they're counting on him. Um, you know, it's pretty cool. I mean, he had, a, he had a rough outing in his last one. To be fair, it was eight degrees, I think, outside. I had I could no longer yeah. blink. My eyes were so frozen. Um, from a team perspective, boy, you know, it is, it, it's it's a couple things. Uh, you got to love a team that plays a little defense. Like, they're really good defensively. But they got a player on that team, man. Uh, oh, gosh, darn it. He, he was at, he was in the infield. They moved him to right field now. Uh, Kootway. Adam Kootway. Holy, yep. holy smokes, you guys. Freshman. Like legit, yeah. legit, like conference player of the year kind of stuff in the next couple of years. Like what a legit talent he is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you see guys playing and you think um, in a good way, they don't belong at the D3 level. Like he's one of those guys. I always felt that way about Lucas yep. Reynolds too. Lucas Reynolds can absolutely run you out of the gym. He's so fast and uh, but Kootway yeah. can really play, man. I don't know the kid at all, um, but boy, what a what a good player. Uh, Nick Voles can really play. The kind of fun thing is, is this year you get like when there's a ground ball hit, like you don't you don't worry. Like you kind of tend to think they're going to pick it up and make the throw, or um, you know, even even fly balls. They've been they've been doing a good job in left and center. I know right field they had some struggles to begin with, but I think Kootway out there is going to turn that around if you remember the other day he threw that dude out at the plate and it he had no business throwing that guy out of the plate like no business like no. i actually jumped out of my chair not even like, making I was it close. so shocked oh my god i like, saw that on just, twitter just yep. shotgun the guy like absolutely mm-hmm. like it's one of those balls like hand you're like why is he throwing like there's no point in throwing home and then it gets like halfway and you're like hey that that thing's still moving <laughs> yeah. missile like an absolute missile and he got nailed the guy at the plate. Isaac made a nice uh, play at the plate. Ike is a really good catcher. Both. Yep. What a, it's nice to have two catchers too. Per, uh, Perez can really call a game. Um, yeah. Just does a nice job. Perez is just a nice target back there. It's a, it's a good team. It's fun. I think, you know, I'm sure Wally wishes that he had a little bit more pitching, um, just yeah. a little more pitching depth, but you're finding guys that Noah Lindsley can throw a little bit. Brower's throwing good. You always get Tommy. Um, Sefcik can really throw. You know, I think uh, actually Luke threw really well the other night, the other day. Fullman, uh, Fullman yep. came in. Yeah. Yeah. Fullman came in and he, th- he throws some butterflies that are hard. Like, and I mean that in a good way. Like it's like almost like the ball shakes. Oh, yeah. He throws with that weird, like that weird velocity and the weird arm angle. And um, but boy, they could be special. Yeah. I mean, they could, they could, they could make a run at this thing. And what a cool, cool way to go uh, for this team. It's, it's good to see. And, you know, really a lot of these guys are Wally's like, loan recruits like this is all after the last coach left and these are wally's teams and you're seeing what you know you're you're seeing it 
Like he's going to get some talent yep. for this team and, and it's really paying off. Um, yeah, Walrick's a good coach. I hope that, they, that they're able to hold on to him long-term. To add on to a couple of points that you mentioned, Adam Kuwe, the young, the young gun, you said that he doesn't belong at the D3 level in a good way. And mm-hmm. actually, I've had a lot of players, and like, I, like you said, I reiterate that I don't know the kid very well. I've never had a conversation with him, but I've talked with some of the players around him, and they say the exact same thing, that this kid is too talented. He has, he has a cannon of an arm, which we've seen already. Yeah. He can hit. He doesn't belong at this level. Another note that I wanted to mention, Jack Mostrick, the left fielder for the Green Knights, came into game number six of the season. So they were 5-0. and oh. After those first five games, he was hitting 600. And it's not like he had Doesn't he seem like he's always on base? It seems like he's always on base. Exactly. Yeah, you look up and he's standing I mean, he started those five games. Started and batted 600 through five games. so crazy. unprecedented. Yeah, and I mean, really, uh, when you think about him kind of batting up, you know, coming up after Lucas, too, who sets the table so well. And, you know, you're getting some production now from Voles, uh, which I think is a huge add. Like, you know, the better he can play, uh, it's going to set the table for, for guys like Jack and, um, I'm leaving out the guy. That, there's another guy. The guy plays third base, Caden. Caden Olenbrock. Olenbrock, another what a really good player. Made some nice plays at third. Uh, uh, Peyton Jack might be the best first baseman I've ever like seen play baseball with my own eyes, like at a, at a college mm-hmm. level or high school level. You know, like he picks absolutely everything. It was really funny because it was like the he didn't pick a ball the other day. It was probably the hardest pick. And isn't that crazy how that turns out? If he picks the yeah. ball, they're yeah. seven and oh, you know, but it was yep. one of those just kind of freaky things because he picked absolutely everything for two weeks. And it was one of them yep. that took a funny hop on him and it ends up like going the, the wrong way. But I don't know, part of you like at the baseball, I always feel like this about baseball. I don't know if you remember this at Green Bay East that year we went, we went on that nine or 10 game win streak. And I can remember saying like, cause I think you were a junior, yep. right? And I can remember saying to you, to you guys, like, I, I hate win streaks because mm-hmm. win streaks just put like weird undue pressure. Mm-hmm. Like you get past that four or five game mark and now you start thinking about the streak instead of thinking about next game. And uh, if you remember, like the wheels fell off for us. Like we went on a huge streak yes, they did. and all of a sudden it was like the wrong time. And I, so like to me, like, I don't mind losing a game like that the other day, non-conference game, last game of a weekend series. You lose a game, you're a little hungry, and rolling yeah. a conference play against Lawrence. I mean, but I think maybe they play Rippin. Rippin at first. I can't remember I, who they play first, but boy. The soft, boy. I think the softball team starts with Rippin, and then the baseball, I think, is Lawrence. But yeah, I mean, you, you're right. They are set up to make a run, and it's certainly starting to look like, I mean, of course, this early in the season, everybody is on the same boat, but St. Norbert really does control their own destiny with how far they take it in the baseball season. I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, it, it, I don't know how good the conference will be. You never know, right? This missing year makes things a real like crapshoot. You don't know what you're going to yep. see. Uh, and like I said, you know, pitching depth can get you at some point um, just because you play so many games in such a condensed uh, area of time. But um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I thought Seth sick looked a little, looked a little sharper this week and that's good. Uh, Tommy looks a little sharper. And so I think that they're the thing you always got to like temper it with in my mind, like even Sam, you know, it's like uh, and Nick and some of these guys, like, you know, it's like March 18th, like control's going to come around. Yeah. You're going to start hitting your spot. I mean, it mm-hmm. is cold. It is March. 
you've been outside for like two weeks. Like you kind of got to take it all with a grain of salt. I'm much more interested in how you play on like April 25th than how you play like today. This is all just right. getting ready for the conference. I would agree. You were texting me. I was up in the, <laughs> up in the uh, press box doing the game, announcing it. And you were texting me, it's too cold for baseball, man. And I'm like, I, I, I also I texted you what I told my family, what I it's think Wisconsin. was the funniest text I had sent in a month. And we can't say it on the air. <laughs> but you will you admit that yeah. that might be the funniest text you've ever received? Come on, it was funny, right? Do you remember now? It was super <laughs> oh, funny. That's right. It was super funny. That, it was a well thought out text. It, w- it was really, I was really proud of it. It was really proud of it. It was it's my number one received text of 2021 so far. You're welcome. Easily. You're welcome. I mean, when <laughs> I thought you. of it, I'm like, oh, this is so good. It's the kind that makes you laugh as you're sending it, which is even better. <laughs> I'm a 49-year-old man that sent that text. I want you to know. That's all right. I mean, you share it with Will after you know the what? show. He'll appreciate it. I will. After the I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll forward it to Will. Um, let's move from, let's stick with baseball before we move on to football. Yeah. There's a couple things I want to hit with you with football. Let's move from the Division Three athletic side to major league baseballs, you know, spring training is well underway. Let's go. I mean, any sort of insight that you have after watching these first couple of weeks of spring training teams that stick out to you, players that stick out to you. Um, I mean, any insights that you have for baseball, let's have a discussion about this upcoming 2021 season. Uh, you know, I, I, I really like, I think we've talked about on the show, I'm a big Red Sox fan. My team's not probably not going to be great this year. I think they're going to be a little better than you think, but not, yeah. Not good. Yankees are really good. Toronto is going to be really good. So you have a division that's going to be tough. Boy, it's hard to see your way past the Dodgers though, right? Like the team just gets richer and richer and filthier and filthier. Now they're going to have Gavin Lux starting every day. It's like, good Lord, that team is ridiculous. Yep. I mean, I love yep. what San Diego's done. How fun is San Diego? Like they just that's seem a like baseball team. What a, what a fun team. I mean, Tatis is such a great player, but I love their pitching staff. They had Darvish and you know, I, I really like what they're doing. I don't know. I mean, when Gore comes up, it makes you wonder if they can compete uh, with with the Dodgers. I I just think the Dodgers are going to be so hard to beat. I mean, they're just so yeah. good. You know, I like what the, I think I like what the what the Braves are going to bring. I think they'll certainly challenge. I think the Cubs are going to be terrible, which is always good news. Mets. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, right? I mean, you got to. You like don't know the about door. the Mets, the starting rotation. Yeah, but. How long is Syndergaard out? Yeah. He's still out for a while. I mean, so you got DeGrom. He's out, and... but that's the point. They got those six starting pitchers. They just signed Taewon Walker in February before spring training started. Well, yeah. He has but are actually... you going to get the Taewon Walker that we thought you were going to get at 24, or are you going to get the Taewon Walker of today where he's, like, kind of washed at this point? I don't know. I, I don't well, know. You get Stroh. Stroh my... great, too. For the sake of my fantasy baseball team, I hope he has a great year. Uh, 24. Taewon Walker would be very nice. Sure. And they, uh, he is a member of the Gronk Sluggers. Yes. In our fantasy baseball league that Jason's a part of. I am. Uh, you're going down this year, Jason. I'm just going to let you know. Uh, I got to, I mean, I think, you know, I barely pay attention to that league and I still finish in the top four, which is pretty funny. Like I barely, like it's, I barely give that league the time of day. See, but it's getting more competitive now because we've had players who, you know, weren't so interested and yeah, we swapped a couple guys team. out. Good mm-hmm. for him. Yep. Now we're going to be rolling. And uh, Gronk Sluggers, Tony G's team. All sure. The the I've not looked at my roster since the draft day, so I don't even know who I have on my team. I couldn't name <laughs> one guy on my team. I, don't, I, can't, I, su- I, swear to, I swear to all that is holy, I don't know any player. I'll, I will actually pull up my team right now if I can even pull it up because that's how little I go to this. Fantasy home. <laughs> What's the name so of my team? Oh, the Swing and Neckbreakers. Good for me. Yep. Yep. 
Oh, hey, I, look at me. I got Freddie Freeman on this team. Uh, yeah. I, oh, I got Acuna. Hey, good for me. Look at my team. I got Alvarez. <laughs> yeah. I guess I got a decent team. Who knew? I got a ton of closers. Oh, I'm going to win this thing. No, oh, here we go. There <laughs> we knew? go. God, I got Scherzer, Strasburg, Plesak. Oh, my gosh. I got Jeez. Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw. You got to yeah. be kidding me. This is the first time you're looking at it. Did you guys even show up to the draft? Did I do this on my own? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I got like yes, I got I so draft. many 200 strikeout guys. I got Bueller, Bundy, Garrett Cole. I got Garrett Cole. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, but I don't think <laughs> – I think baseball this year of all years is going to be pretty uh, predictable. I think Yankees will be – the Yankees, they'll be really good. Um, they're always a bad injury away just because they're – I think they're they're thinner than – I don't know. I just, I never really trust a team that starts Brett Garner for like 15 years. Brett yeah. Garner. I, I do. I say, I know you guys are probably Brewers fans. Uh, you're going to love Jackie Bradley. There's been a lot of positives swirling around Twitter about him. Good dude. Coming to just a good block. dude. Good player, man. He makes some plays too. We've gotten to see it night in and night out with the Red Sox. It's really fun. You're going to like him a lot. If you liked, uh, the thing. if you like the mayor of Ding Dong City, you're going to really like him. You're going <laughs> to love this guy. Here's the thing that I question, though, is that the Brewers already have their starting outfield set. Yelich, Kane, Garcia, and then they went and signed Jackie Bradley. I, I wonder the necessity of that pickup, but, you know, it's a good locker room. Jackie can't have, hit lefties. Of course he's productive. Jackie can't hit lefties, so he'll be your platoon guy. Um, you have him as insurance because Yelich can't stay healthy. Or Kane either, for that fact. Kane either. You have guys that can't stay yeah. healthy. you got to have four outfielders. Look, the, the Braves do the same thing. Yeah, you gotta have four outfielders. You gotta in this day and age, like you don't have just your starting three anymore. You gotta have somebody mm-hmm. that can play. Houston did it forever. They won a World yeah. Series with it. You know, was it Marwin Gonzalez or whatever? Like kind of their super yeah. outfielder, and um, you have to play that way these days because of injury. The game is season 162 games, man. It wears you out. Yelich is not proven. I don't think Yelich will ever play at the level he did a couple of years ago. That was a fluke, but we'll see. Oh, you're making me. You're making me nervous talking about that fluke i don't know man all right well let's shift from major league baseball to national football league and then we'll we'll discuss the nfl and sure. uh, you know in general eight members selected to the hall of fame mm-hmm. we you know you, you guessed this one pretty spot on some big names kelvin johnson john lynch peyton manning charles woodson how about this guy tom flores too i i haven't tom heard flores, of him before this year tom but. flores is the single most deserving member of that entire class tom flores had super bowl victories with the raiders this is and I'm like this is fun this is this is in my this is the jason fonder opinion of things he his not getting in for all these years was blatant racism racism mm. tom flores has deserved to be in for years by the way I, i'm also a flores guy because he coached the seahawks for a while too but yep. tom flores terrific football coach and as good as the everybody is on that list tom flores was the most deserving of all of all of those people Hmm. so that's my that's my flores like rant about how i feel about him he actually yeah he actually was a a three-time super bowl champion one as an assistant two as a head coach his regular season record for his, or his career record is 105 and 90. So 54%, eight and three in the postseason. Terrific coach. Just a, a great, just a great coach. That's it. That's there. That's my rant. So I'm super happy he got in. Like I said, I haven't heard of him. He was in that commercial for, I forget what company it was, 
I think it was uh, some beer commercial oh, was on a can. Modelo, like maybe, that. right? Do they do the beer commercials for Mexican for like the, like Mexican Americans? Mm. I think because right? they, they, they do. They have, yeah, they have that. Uh, who's the UFC fighter that I love so bad? Uh, female um, one that knocks out that knocked out Rousey. Nunes. Yes, right? she's in yep. that. I think uh, Anthony Munoz is in one of the commercials because he was an offensive lineman, Hall of Fame lineman, yep. uh, as well. But yeah, it's a, yep. I mean, it's a great class. I mean, you know, I think we called it. Lynch got in. Um, Peyton uh, Charles. Yeah, Peyton got in. Yeah, Charles Woodson, terrific player. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 I mean, uh, Charles Woodson well. was a Hall of Famer twice. Yeah. Right. He's a Hall of yeah. Famer for the Raiders. He's a Hall of Famer for the Packers. Like his stats are so good with both teams. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Like, and you could say the same thing about uh, Peyton Manning, correct? You know, Manning's certainly a different player. Like, he wins a Super Bowl oh, yeah. after, but basically with the same arm strength that I have right now as a 49-year-old washed-up guy. Um, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, but I mean, just when you really think about it, like, you know, I don't know. I think Woodson's career is fascinating, like how he got, he's with the Raiders for all those years. and um, But, like, literally just comes to Green Bay and just lights it up in this place. Like, he was so yeah. good. One of the guys Rodgers constantly says is uh, one of the best he's ever played with. So that's ever. high praise. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would imagine that feeling goes both ways, right? But um, mm-hmm. Charles Woodson was was a pretty special player for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's fun to get him here. Uh, I said hi to him once at Applebee's. Really? Yeah. Sure, claim to fame, right? I mean, I literally was said. Was he nice? Uh, I was walking past him. I was leaving and he was walking in with somebody uh, and I nodded at him and he nodded back at me. And I, it was like a, like a Monday. And I said, great game oh. yesterday. And he said, thanks, man. So I think we're kind of friends. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't I know. Think that's all that works. I think we're friends, right? As I qualify, I feel like we're friends now. I would, I would qualify that as 38 interceptions yeah, with the Packers, yeah. by the way, 38 interceptions, Charles Woodson. Just with the Packers alone. With just the Packers, yes. Oh my gosh. Thirty-eight yeah. interceptions. Wait, wait for it. Five, six, seven, eight, nine touchdowns. He scored nine defensive touchdowns with the Packers. He scored eleven in his career. Nine of them. Unbelievable. That's nuts. It's crazy. He's defensive defensive player of the year in Green Bay, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, so yeah. Unprecedented talent that he had. But going from the Hall of Fame to just the NFL in general, there's been a lot of talk. You know, you're very open about your fandom, especially towards the Seattle Seahawks, too. We got to talk about the Russell Wilson situation. He wants out. He doesn't want out. He's going to Chicago. Chicago gets someone else. What's going on? Chicago doesn't get somebody else, dude. They got Andy Dalton. <laughs> I mean, is that like the most – that is the most Detroit Lions thing the Chicago Bears could do. Is, yeah. <laughs> is getting Andy Dalton. The power How does Andy Dalton not end up as the Lions quarterback is probably the bigger question to me. And. Yeah. Just the Bears outbearsing themselves is so terrific. I mean, look, you can hate Trubisky. He's way better. He is way better than yeah. Andy Dalton. I mean, way yeah. Andy Dalton sucks, man. He is awful. I cannot believe that they signed Dalton. As far as the Russ stuff, does it really surprise you? And I mean this like in I mean this in like the best way. You got a power couple, legit power couple in Sierra. And Russell Wilson. What the hell are they doing in Seattle? I mean, Sierra is like legit, like superstar. She's got to hate yeah. it, right? She's got to hate not being in a hub. Like Seattle's in the middle of nowhere. You're two flights from that place. 
like it is a gigantic rainy green bay like there's no way she loves yep. seattle so that's why when you see the list it's chicago hub dallas hub new orleans a little out there but it's still probably close to like you know you're one flight away from atlanta from miami like so look at all the cities that he named that he'd be interested in playing in they're all hubs every one of them is a hub yep. to get to somewhere very fast and to me that seems like a couple move like those two are like yo we need to get out of seattle like because it's it's not good for it's not good for either of their careers even as popular as russ is you're you're never look at look at mike trout like if you're on the west coast you don't exist like some of the greatest athletes of our time like when you get west of st louis like nobody cares about you like you just don't like we care about athletes that are st louis and east because that's who you watch look i mean i don't know i don't know what you know i know you guys watch a lot of pro basketball like I feel like nobody really watches LeBron except in the highlights. Like mm. you watch LeBron highlights mostly because like, you're not staying up for that game. Like how many yeah. times have you actually seen Clayton Kershaw pitch? Like it's probably not nearly as much as you've actually seen like, like Kyle Kendrick's pitch because yep. it's, you know, you know what I mean? Like that team is on all the time. Like I feel like I saw uh, Tanaka pitch for the Yankees no fewer than a thousand times in my life. Like, I feel like I saw him all the time, but you never see West Coast guys. And I feel like that's, I really feel deep down that's what's driving the Russ thing is that both of them are like, if you want to get advertisement, if you want to get wherever, if you want to record albums in Sierra's case, you can't be in Seattle. You can't be. Mm -hmm. You definitely want to be closer to a hub. So I think that's a big part of it. I think it's sad. I mean, like, I think it was sad that they entertained it. Because I'm going to tell you, like, as the dad of a 16-year-old with his room just plastered with Seahawks stuff mm. I was super worried like mm-hmm. oh man that was, yeah. was going to be real tough I know he listens to your show so he'll hear this but I mean that was like that was super worrisome to me like yep. he was gonna he was gonna leave and like what a hole that leaves you know oh. basically the Bears make or the Seahawks make that trade let's just say they make that trade they actually become the Bears right mm. like their quarterback yeah. ends up being like Trubisky or Nick Foles or somebody else. That's awful. You trade for a couple of leftover bears guys. You get a few draft picks with like a million holes that you have to fill and no more Russell Wilson to make up for it. You're basically trading yourself into becoming the Chicago bears. And yeah. I don't know how in the hell you could live with yourself after that. That's a good it wouldn't point. surprise me if they trade them next year. Like if you, if they have more of a season, I think the Deshaun Watson stuff, which is getting very interesting today, by the way, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. him still hanging out there, like if his name gets cleared, he's got to be priority. He's what six years younger than Russ. Um, I don't know, boy. Just wait, man. Just wait till just wait till Russ goes to the Patriots next. Oh, we're all just the roof, right? Oh, it makes you sick just to think that. about, right? What they signed yeah. Cam for a year, sign him for one year. Like, uh, oh, you can see it coming. Point. It's either going to be him or Matt Ryan next year. You watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to relate to, I mean, like you said about, um, you know, Russell leaving and having so much just Russell Wilson stuff. I mean, I can kind of relate to that with when Favre left, he was like my hero, you know, mm-hmm. he's a little kid and he leaves and goes and plays for another team. It's kind of like, that was the first time I think I, I was explained how like football even kind of works. I knew that there, you know, like Favre's been here forever. I didn't really understand how contracts work. And that was kind of like my, like, why isn't he playing for us anymore? You know, and like, it was, it was pretty sad when I was a little kid because didn't understand it. 
Yeah, you're probably like what seven or eight, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because yeah. one was like four uh, when it happened. I mean, it was like I'll tell you, like as an as an as an old guy, it was hard on me. Like you know, I've talked about this. I think with you guys too. I was just never. I still have just not gotten over it. Like mm-hmm. like in a lot of ways, like uh, Aaron Rodgers will always be like you know the guy my mom married after my dad. It's not, you're not my dad. You're just Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know. Like that's the thing is like I I almost feel like my Packer fandom like won't come back until after Aaron's gone despite of how much of a talent Aaron is just because like the Favre thing just takes the wind out of you mm. you know it did for me like that was a big thing for me a lot of people were able to move on I just have I've never been able to move on from it and I think that if you think Russ like Russ leaving plus Russ still has prime years oh yeah yeah oh yeah I mean he's a prime time player still he might be older than. And Stafford, if I'm not mistaken, but I mean, so it tells you, like, yeah, Matt Stafford. It's one of those crazy things. Like Stafford's only like 32 years old. You feel like he's 52, but he's only 32 because oh. <laughs> yeah. he's taken 20 years of extra damage living in Detroit. Yeah, playing for that horrible franchise. But I mean, Russ has prime years left, and I think that would just kill Seahawks fans, man. Just kill them. Me too. Like I don't want to. There's a part of you that, as a fan of a team you want to see your team get better, right? Like, you, like look, at, look at the Red Sox. Like, the Mookie Wilson – or Mookie Wilson. Uh, Mookie, uh, Mookie Betts thing kills you. It's like, I don't want to watch him play for anybody else. You know what I mean? But at the same time, if, if the Red Sox win the World Series next year or the year after, like, it's almost like all is forgiven. So you kind of think that would happen with Seattle too. But, boy, they can't not compete. They can't trade them and then be terrible. Yeah. Boy – I mean, there's no other fans to buy a jersey. There's no other player to buy a jersey up besides Metcalf on that team. Mm-hmm. Who the hell's going to yeah. throw to Metcalf once he, once Russ is gone? McFoles? <laughs> yeah, I don't it's know. It's going to be somebody washed up, right? It's going to yep. be somebody washed up and awful. I mean, Cam Newton is still throwing NFL passes. Yep. I mean, we're having a good conversation here, but I am going to move from great quarterbacks to other great quarterbacks. I think you know where this is going because in hearing about the recent news after the you know final 2020 season was concluded, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, they retired. Gone. I was watching uh, ESPN, and Will has a story about this too. I was watching ESPN, and one of their talents, Michael Wilbon, was talking about the legacy of Drew Brees and if he's a top 10 quarterback. And in his top 10 quarterbacks, he named Troy Aikman. No kidding. Of all time. Yep. Yep. All time. Boy. Thoughts. It's so wild. I mean, we, you know, like, I, I know, you know, it's part of, it's like, I feel like one of those comedians that I have like the same running joke that I have to end every show with, with Troy Aikman, because I do hate him so much. Yeah. It's just wild to me. Like, he's not even as good as like Ryan Tannehill. Like, no. to me, that's the comparison is he's not even Tannehill. Tannehill has more touchdown passes than he does. Already. So, already like by far and i think mahomes will probably pass him in two years like my mahomes will be 26 you know and yeah. i just i don't to me like if you hold on to if you're holding on to aikman you're misremembering you're remembering that he like i told you guys in the pot in the pod before the pod the show before the show today i said i made the comparison to uh to joe namath because joe namath is like a famous quarterback but when you look at his stats you realize he was awful he was not a good football player I mean, he threw way more interceptions and touchdown passes, like way more. He was not a good player, but you re- you're told enough stories about it. And it's like the Aikman Cowboys. You win three championships and you're told enough stories about it. 
it also predates like the salary cap era, you know, so they were able to put together a defense that was pretty hellacious, not to mention you had Emmett Smith, you know, arguably what the top three all time. I mean, it's hard to not count Emmett and that offensive line. And you tell yourself enough stories that you remember him as being this great quarterback. He just wasn't that good. And that's what Wilbon's doing there. It's so mind boggling to me that yep. we, re- we remember this guy that way. And, you know, and I'll say like, you know, I, I, I almost think of that. I almost think of Tony Romo that way. Like I romanticize how good Tony Romo is. You've heard me say this. Like I think Tony Romo is maybe one of the five or six best quarterbacks to ever play the game that just never put it together. Like he never had that team, right? Can't you just see Romo just like slinging passes that had no business like getting through and like he was a great player. You watched Breeze the last couple of years. Were you impressed with anything yeah. Breeze did? No. I mean, no. Breeze was trash the last five I'll be years. open about that too. Uh I mean, same with, you could argue same with Philip Rivers. Yeah, Phil. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing about Phil Rivers is that, like, Phil Rivers would like he would punch his own mom to win a football game, and that's what <laughs> makes Phil Rivers so fun, right? Yeah. Is that Phil Rivers just shows up to the field and he is so like, just such a red ass about stuff. Like he just gets so worked up and he gets, you know what I mean? Like you know he yeah. just like tells himself stories in his head to make himself angry. He's almost like a UFC guy playing quarterback. And that's what was more fun than like Drew Brees because Drew Brees just seemed like he didn't really care. Like, but Phil Rivers seemed like he cared way too much and that's what was fun about him. But the Aikman stuff is just more about like talk just like maybe the guy the, the guy that was the most right place right time player in the history of football mm-hmm. just ended up in the absolute i mean you know because you can i mean look at look at the the 25 years here or whatever of Favre and rogers let's just look at like the years of Favre, rogers and russell wilson three super bowls between those three guys Troy Aikman has three Super Bowls. Like, it doesn't make any sense, Mm -hmm. right? Like, football's weird that way. Like, it's the same thing with Marino. Marino just, like, willed it. He just, like, pick up 10 guys in the parking lot and play offense and win eight games. It was weird. So he won too many games to be bad to get, like, good draft picks, but he didn't win enough to win the Super Bowl. And doesn't that feel like what Aaron's been doing? Like, Aaron just keeps winning with – I mean, like, Alan Lazard – MVS? Oh, come on, you guys. Robert Tanyan? You put any of these guys on a regular football team. Trash and Tanyan? I'm telling you, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is making these guys like... Oh, yeah, I would agree. Bums. I would they agree to, a, to an extent. Bums. I mean, Rodgers can throw a dime through a keyhole from 50 yards. It's it's the most mesmerizing thing. I've, I mean, you've really seen a generational talent. And you guys know this. I, I don't even like the guy. I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you the talent level of him is absolutely stunning. I've never seen somebody sling a rock like he can. I mean, I, I have a vivid memory of of uh, Packers playing Cowboys. It's in the our end zone closest to the tunnel. Richard Rodgers back of the end zone. Two Cowboys players are closing like this. Ball goes right between the two of them. Right through him. Yep, right through him. And it was like a well, I think it was that pass he threw against the Cowboys a couple of years ago to is it Jared Cook? Mm-hmm. Jared Cook. Yep. I mean, like absolutely – puts it in the app in the only place you can put it yeah and i think because i mean i think people forget too like do you, you remember everybody hated adams right like his oh, first yeah. two years because the dude could yep. not yep. catch a pass he had a uh, cold hands i think first two years right yeah you couldn't catch a thing and you know now you have you have this guy that's like he's become he's grown into this player but that's his big i mean 
Do you remember Javon, or not Javon Walker, uh, Greg, Greg Jennings? Greg Jennings. Great receiver here. Mm -hmm. 20 minutes after he left here, he disappeared. (laughs) I mean, like he was barely gone and he absolutely fell off the face of the earth. I mean, look at Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs played for that horrible, with horrible Kirk Cousins for these years. Who's the other guy before him that threw the one good pass against the Saints? Case Keenum. He just like toils in Minnesota. He goes to Buffalo and just becomes a rock star. An absolute lights out receiver. I mean, it's really important to have like, like, like to your point with Tanyan, like he's a decent tight end, but having a generational talent at your quarterback definitely helps. For sure. Can you imagine? I mean, you imagine putting Brady on this roster on the Green Bay roster? Oh yeah, Brady sucks. Yeah, he'd be he'd be awful (laughs) up here. Doesn't even throw Gronk till the Super Bowl. Just saves him to the last to the last week of the season. Yep. yeah, boy, that's as much Aaron Rodgers defense as I've ever done in my life. I actually feel like I can throw up a little bit. That's as much <laughs> as I've ever talked about Aaron Rodgers in that yeah. sense. I just think he's, I mean, I think it's one of those things like I hate him, but he's special. Mm-hmm. I really hate him, but boy, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is. <laughs> you keep saying it because the towel in the background. Is that what that is? is? That yeah, what it is. I see, this, I see yeah. the Antetokounmpo towel in the background. Yeah, yep, that, yep. I'm trying to bring it full circle because <laughs> I'm sure you want to get rid of me at some point because I know you have to move on to your 100 episode show. So I was trying to help you right there. We are in the back half of the interview, but I do have one question that has been on my mind. I'll let you take the yeah. podium and run with it. You are forming the Ashwabadon Lookouts this summer. I mean, what, what went into this decision? What went into the, this formation of this organization, this team, this club? And... Where do you think, where do you look to take it this summer? Yeah, so I, I started my own, I guess you could, it's a Shoreland League baseball, which is a, basically like an adult level baseball. They'll have um, people of all ages that kind of play. Cause like you can, like, I, you know, I, I'm rostered. Technically I could play, I'm not going to play, but technically <laughs> I could play. Um, so I was kind of, you know, my interest in it started with Sam um, playing in Nichols. He plays like in a, for this team called the Nichols Nitros. And it's like a 45 minute ride for me every Sunday to go watch him play. And it's, it's, it's town baseball and town baseball is super fun. Like you got a lot of people, he played for Hoff for a few years. My family's from Hoffa park. Uh, But even that's like a half hour ride for me out there, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And it was curious to me, like how many guys on his team were from like Seymour or, you know, he's from green Bay. And I'm like, man, these kids have to go so far to play. It's like, they can't find teams that are near them, you know, like in green Bay, green Bay used to have the storm, but the storm aren't playing again this year. So that's like two or three years that they haven't played. Um, We have the blue ribbons in green Bay, but they charge an exorbitant amount of money to play. And then you sit the bench and you don't always get to play. So I thought, what if I got like, 20 to 24 college age guys maybe you know they don't necessarily have to play college baseball but are like I wanted the majority of them to be like college baseball players and I thought if I could get them to play for me it'd be fun one you know we'd have fun um two I get to continue coaching a lot of like my favorite players that I've gotten to coach over the years so that's a big thing and three I do something as someone as part of this community to keep these kids home like to give them a place to like invest in. And also like at my age, like I'm not going to do this forever. And if I can instill some of this in some of these guys, like maybe a couple of them want to stick around and do the same sort of thing. Maybe they'll want to coach or they want to work with kids or they want to run this kind of team uh, and, and have that same kind of um, 
I don't want to say influence because I don't know how influential I've been on like any of their lives or careers or whatever. I mean, I think certainly like by reaching out to them, like how quickly they said yes to play, I'd like to think it's because they trust me and they want to do this sort of thing and whatever. So we talk a lot about like baseball from a pro level, like maybe not like as being as strong as it used to be, right? Like it's the third sport now or the fourth sport now or whatever you want to say yeah. it is. And we talk about that, like baseball is a dying sport or soccer is going to take over baseball or whatever is going to take over baseball. And I can actually make a difference. Like I can actually like where that has to change at the ground roots level. And the ground roots, you know, grassroots level of this is if I can start a team with 20 or 25 guys, get them to play baseball around here, create some interest, not only in like the community level of baseball, but also their interest level that maybe they'll stay here. Jake and Zach Watska, who went to school out in Minnesota, like maybe Zach will be like, oh, I love coming home and I play in here. Maybe he accidentally finds a job here and I keep a good kid uh, with a college degree and he came back and he stayed for some yeah. stupid reason because of that. And maybe he raises his kids here and they end up being great baseball players. And maybe they play for Ashwaubin on high school, which is my alma mater. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it sounds funny, but at the same time, it's like, let's instill some of that here mm -hmm. and I can do that. So I'm keeping 20 some kids home to play and it's really fun. Like it's super exciting. I, I think I do a Tony. I think Tony will say I do a great job of some things. And one of them is nobody does logos and uniforms quite as good as I do. I would yes. like to think I am in the upper like hall of fame, first ballot hall of fame echelon of like uniforms. <laughs> Cause yeah. my, our unis are sick. They like are the, cool. The, yep. My old unis are pretty awesome. I'll get each of you guys a hat if you want one, by the way. I'll yeah. take one. Um, so they're, they're pretty incredible. And um, well, so like I do that to kind of create it. And I get to coach like some of the kids like that, um, you know, I've been around forever. You know, like, you know, like, like Box has been playing for, you know, been coaching or playing with him since he was like in seventh grade and, you know, working with me uh, at, at East, you know, he'd come to the open gyms and Mike Lampshire and uh, yeah you know, uh, some, a lot of the Ashwaubenon guys, the Watska brothers coming back. Uh, it's really fun. Ostertag, Hayden Ostertag coming to play for me. Like it's really fun. Yep. And, um, I don't know, you know, it's a little bit Tony, like you coming to do like the announcing for the games and stuff like that. Like a big part of that is because we have this great relationship and we foster yep. that. Right. Like, so if I can invest in you a little bit, like pay you a little bit of money, you get to come hang out with me in the summers and maybe you'll stick around here after you graduate. Like yep. that's part of like being somebody as part of this community. I'm proud to be from here, like what we should be doing more of. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm excited. It's a, it's kind of a what's next for me. Um, I don't know exactly how long I'll do it. Like my, my dream is to do it for like a couple of years and then hope that like some of these guys, like a Jake Watska or somebody will be like, yo, I'll run this thing. And then I can mm -hmm. turn it over and I started something great and they continue it. Um, but I'm really excited. I think it's going to be fun. We're going to have a fun season. I got like 25 games scheduled. Um, yeah. I got 21 kids right now. It's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great to hear. I mean, it's a good story, good influence and just all around great cause. So I look forward to being part of it in any way I can moving forward. I look forward to where you take it. I look forward to who takes over. All right. Well, as we wrap up this portion of the 100th episode, thanks again for coming on, Jason. Any particular memories stand out to you? I know you've given us a lot of crap over the years for being in that mop closet in the uh, campus center of St. Norbert College for SNC Radio, which we aren't anymore, you know, because we're on Zoom coronavirus. But uh, yeah, anything stick out to you in your time coming on the Tony G Show? 
you know, it's been years. really fun. I actually really look forward to it. That's why when you message me, I'm like, I actually like moved work meetings for this. Like, yes. you know what I mean? Like, oh, hell yeah, I'll do this. Like, it's really fun. I think you guys are great. I think it's really fun to be on the show. Um, you know, Will's one of those guys like I met after, right? You know, like I've known yep. Tony forever and mm -hmm. I think Will's a great guy and uh, oh, it's just thanks, fun. Dude. I appreciate that. You guys do a great job on the show. I listen to it all the time and you know, like I said, like I'll hear Owen laugh and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm listening to Tony and Will. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I forgot they have a new one. I have to roll that. Um, I would say like my favorite, my two things were drinking that crappy caffeine water that somebody <laughs> gave you, like Water Joe or some garbage. Well, it's not crappy, Joe. it's good. Oh, uh, Water Joe. Just hot trash. Well, you gave me a warm one too because you guys didn't even have a fridge in that little room. Yeah, that... So I had like a warm like Joe water Jeep or Makes a big difference. It was horrendous, man. It was like drinking just like toilet water. Just it tastes so different. They don't sponsor you anymore, right? Because that stuff. No, was... no, they're still a sponsor. Oh, we're kidding. kidding. No, we're kidding. Great. Terrific no. water. Terrific I'm product. I'm <laughs> Does not taste like toilet water at all. It's like pond water. But the other one too is when I kept when I was in the closet and I kept doing the reads off of the blackboard. It's my favorite episode. Like. It was just so fun to like because oh, we were laughing so hard and trying to do it like dead serious because it was like <laughs> I, was, I was announcing other shows that were coming up with nothing but the blackboard reads oh yeah like just right in the middle of like yeah. sentences i would just start working it in and i just remember how funny that was like to all of us like how hysterical <laughs> it was being in that little tiny broom closet and stuff so yeah troy aikman sucks uh marky mark and the fun funky bunch coming up at uh eight o'clock the funky bunch uh, that's, right. <laughs> that's right that's right that they're on every you know? monday wednesday and friday and what else? Yeah. immediately following it's so great and so that was yeah. super funny to me like that was like really really fun but it, you guys do a terrific job on the show and i'm not just blowing smoke you guys do a great job so i've heard Boy, a lot of crap radio it. in my life and you guys do a great job so and, awesome yeah and you know more than that tony i talk about you a lot i'm proud of you man like i appreciate it i know you know wouldn't you're you're one of those stories like you know i high school wasn't easy for you your, your first couple of years and you buckled down and yeah like got through you raised your gpa you made yourself into a college student and you're going to graduate from a terrific university um, with a great degree and you know with a passion for this i mean this is pretty cool for both of you guys to be able to walk in after all this is done and be like, yo, we did like 180 episodes of this, this show or whatever you end up with at the end. Yeah. Um, it's a big deal, man. It's a really big I, deal. And you guys should both be able to, to go on to have great careers. And I think you're going to look back on this as like the start of it. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Really, Will really, and I really, really do appreciate that. And I, I want to tie it back into, you know, I, you know, you and I aren't the biggest mushy people, but you know, I do have to say that, you know, you talk about the influence that you had on the people in the community that you've worked with and stuff like that. And you say, you don't know if you've had any influence. You have had a lot of influence that I've seen, not just on me, but on, on other people, uh, me in particular, I wouldn't even be at the school, wouldn't have been recruited to play baseball here. You know, the whole story, if it wasn't for you. So you do have a big influence on your community and the kids you work with. And it's something that Will and I can both really appreciate. And I hope the audience of this show can too. And if that's the case too, then I would have never even met Tony. So Yeah. We'll see how you just would have been a guy. You just would have been a guy in an Indiana Jones hat, just walking around campus, <laughs> aimlessly uh, producing Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday on SNC Radio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I appreciate that, Tony. I mean, like I, you know, it's we we joke around a little bit, but I, I I've often referred to Tony as like my third son. Like you, you yeah. know, I have a special special relationship with you for sure, my man, and I, I think we always will. Yep. 
I don't think it'll ever die out. At least I sure hope it don't. I will work to make sure that it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, when thanks I'm, for coming. When I'm dead and gone, I'll make you one of the people that has to carry my dead body in a coffin and put me in the ground, Tony. That's how special and I will be smiling. I will be smiling every step of the way. That's right. Because you know I won't be in there. It'll be because I faked my death just like Batman. Yep. I'll be having <laughs> tea in Paris somewhere. I don't know what the hell. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Why is this casket so light? Well, shh, he ain't there. He's in. <laughs> He's in Mulan. He's in Dubai. So yeah, yeah. When do I get to come back? Is it Thanksgiving again? Do I have to wait like another eight months? I no, no. absolutely not. No, we we're doing be another sure one. That doesn't happen. Yep. Right. Yep. Right. Don't worry. You it. will be on plenty of times in the uh, next couple of seasons of the Tony G Show. Well, and especially even this one as well. Probably. Yeah, we'll probably have one more at least this season. Hey. Yeah. So we like to give a, a full episode to Jason. So let's do it when it's a NBA. Let's do it when the NBA playoffs roll around, so I can do an NBA playoff preview but I won't look up anything. You just give me the matchups and I will give previews of every matchup just based on whatever knowledge I have of those basketball teams, knowing I have not watched a game since LeBron James played for the Cleveland Cavaliers the first time. It's the last time I watched a full NBA game. All right. Doing previews would be amazing. So I can name probably less than 20 NBA. (laughs) You don't can name though. Who's that? Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I, uh, I, oh, something just came in my head that I wanted to mention, but I forgot what it was. Luka Doncic. <laughs> I'm just going to name all the guys I know. That's it. Does uh, Paul Gas- Gasol still play? Uh, yeah. I, think I, so. I think so. I've got to do this for my preview. I think he's a coach. I think he's a coach now. Wait, sure? Slam, slam dunk competition. Uh, he still plays for the, the Bulls, right? Adam Levine, the lead singer no of Maroon 5. Zach Levine? Adam Levine. And guard, shooting guard for the Cleveland, or for the uh, Chicago Bulls. I think he's still with them. This pretty preview sure. episode, I'm already looking forward to it. I am already not going to plan for it. So that I'm going to put it in the books. I'm going to try to avoid as much NBA as I can. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. Is there a Damian Lillard? Lillard? Mm-hmm. Did I get one? Yeah. Before, before we wrap here, I do want to mention, I just remembered what I wanted to say. The interview, our Thanksgiving episode last season is the second most listened to show in the history of the Tony G show that you came on. The first was an interview with Michael Pant. We interviewed Michael Pant, basketball player here on campus in season four, and he's number one by a long shot. Who cares about that guy? You're number two. Is he still there? I'll kick his ass in one-on-one. I want to play him in one-on-one. I've been asking him for a one-on-one game forever. We're both juniors. I've known him since freshman year. He's ducking me too. Yeah. He wants. He doesn't want the smoke that we. He does not want the smoke, the, the court. as the kids say. No. He does not want the smoke. No, he does not. All right, smoke. Jason. Thanks for coming around. Um, we look forward to having you on in the future here, and uh, thanks for coming around to this hundredth episode. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to talk to you. Happy one hundred. So you see what I mean, Will? As we come out of that Jason Fonder interview, mm-hmm. you see what I mean when the conversation just so natural with him. Oh, we probably could have talked for three hours. Honestly, we could have. I think the last time we almost, we talked what over two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think we went like two hours. The interview, and I had edited it out, the Jason Fonder interview, and I had mentioned it in the back end there, the interview, that that is the second most listened to episode we've ever had of the Tony G Show. Michael Pant, the interview we had with him was being number one. Jason Fonder's interview that we had for the Thanksgiving episode last season, season six, Mm -hmm. season five, excuse me was the second most listened to episode ever. And it was like an hour and a half long. <laughs> and I had that, and that was after that was post production. That is after I edited it. But regardless, I mean, we could carry the conversation with Jason forever and ever. And 
Uh, he's always got good insight. He's been around athletics and sports his entire life. So, and, and starting the Ashwaubenon Lookouts team, great cause. I mean, he never does anything for himself. He never just says, you know, this is something I wanted to do because, you know, I wanted to do it. He always has a reason for other people behind it. So that's very special of him to do. Uh, very good interview with the Jason, Jason Fonder. Shall we move on to wrap up and close this 100th episode of the Tony G Show? Well, yeah, I'm ready for it. Ready for the next 100. Yeah. I don't know if we'll get another <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how many we'll get to. I mean, we we pounded them out this season. Yeah, we did. Uh, regardless, though, what's next for the Tony G Show? Well, of course, more Tony G Show episodes. We get going on Thursday with 101, just like we never took this spring break and took time to put together a 100th episode. We get going with number 101 on Thursday, and we're going to be ready to roll, and we're going to roll out more Tony G shows twice a week, just like we always have been. And this is the thing I've kind of been alluding to, is that we're going to line up more interviews. I, cu- I got a couple SNC athletes in mind. I don't want to put them out there just because, you know, I don't want to put them on the spot. I don't want to give their names out now. But I have a couple, both male and female athletes, that I'd love to get on the show and just, you know, rack their brain for, you know, what, what motivates them to be a Division three athlete, the pride they take in it and stuff like that. I got numerous athletes on the board in my mind that I want on. And if you have any as well, or if you're even an athlete, a student athlete that is listening to this, let us know. We'll see if we can line something up to get special St. Nova College athletes on as well. Even faculty too, coaches. We are open. We are Simply put, that's all you need to say, we are open. Now for season seven, after this season, and the interviews probably won't be till season seven, so we can have more of a studio instead of Tony G Studios, which is just... Not not a studio. Not really a studio. And now with athletes, now with St. Norbert College Radio getting the studio ready and you can have more than one person in there now, we're going to start lining up interviews for there. So that's in the future. That's probably like season seven. Which, speaking about season seven, there's going to be new cover art. Remember, we had just a picture of me on the Tony G Show. And then season six, we changed it all up, had a new cover in, and there's going to be another new cover for season seven. I already got that in the works. I think it's, I think it's pretty much finished. I've been working on that. New cover art for season seven, which will be released in September 21, coming soon. And then when that season kicks off, season seven, or I think maybe even when season six concludes, the three seasons that are on Apple Podcast or, or on the podcast right now, the Tony G Show, are four, five, and six. Once season six concludes or season seven kicks off, I haven't decided yet, season four will be removed. All Well, nine of the ten episodes. The tenth that is sticking around being the Michael Pant interview. A lot of people like that. It's our most listened to episode ever. So we're going to keep that around, of course. But the other nine episodes are going to be removed. So listen to them while you can. Go back and listen to season four if you are interested. Now, heading into summer, when season six of the Tony G Show concludes... Tony G is going to launch, through the Tony G Show, a little subset of a show, a subset of a series. And this is just going to be a once a week, about an hour long show, entitled Summer Ball. That's where Tony G is going to discuss some of the sports world topics and news. Just riding solo, because Will and I are going to be separate, completely separate places. We won't be on campus, and it'll just be Summer Ball. It won't be part of the Tony G Show. It won't count towards our 100 episodes or nothing like that. It'll just be a little subset. Tony G gives you an hour sports long blast of information, opinions, and takes. And we'll do it again in a week. That'll be through summer. June, July, August. And then as the semester gets kicked underway, 
for St. Norbert College in the fall of 2021, season seven of the Tony G Show will kick off and get underway. So that's the plan moving forward for the Tony G Show. Any refutes will. No, I'm just excited to interview some some student athletes. I think that'll I be a great idea. Either. I cannot wait for that either. It's like it's like talking to like one of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like our age. Yeah, and especially since the studio got two additional microphones, it's going to make things yep. that much easier. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I am too. I can't wait to kick off season seven, where we finally get to maybe expand our wings a little bit, mm-hmm. get a couple more SNC college athletes on the show, get a couple coaches as well, other faculty members. Oh, I'm debating if I want to say this right now. I just want to put it out there. I'm going to try because I don't want it set in stone or anything. Mm-hmm. Once St. Norbert College gets its new athletic director, I want to try and get them on the show. Yeah, that'd be fun. I had Tim Bald on just a few weeks ago here in Season 6. So right. Season 7, I'm definitely going to be sending emails out and trying to line that up too. Stick with us through the Tony G Show. We appreciate you for doing it thus far through the first 100, and I look forward to wherever we go next. I don't know how many episodes we're going to end up with. But whatever we end up with, just know that I am proud, happy, and satisfied with my college experience for having the Tony G Show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been such an amazing experience to do oh, this. Yeah. It's something I want to do for a career is the radio stuff and you know be a sports an- announcer, which I do for the college athletes or athletics, which is why I have good relationships with the athletes. But to be able to have this at this point in my life, awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And we get to show a little personality. There's no restrictions. But we keep it professional and structured, and I look forward to where we take it. Yeah, it'll be good memories to look back on, too. Yep. Post uh, post our college years. Tell the kids. Mm-hmm. Tell the wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will gives me a look. Wife. We're going to be married? Yeah, well, eventually. All right. Uh, well, what do you think? Yeah, let's get to 101. Enough of this sappy stuff. 101 coming on Thursday. Thank you for the first 100. I look forward to the next 100. For Will McCormick, I'm Tony G. We'll see you for number 101 on Thursday. This has been the 100th episode of the Tony G Show.